0: Welcome to another edition of the Dave Pash Podcast. The Arizona Cardinals are coming off their first loss of the season, but I've seen the Cowboys now in person after calling their game on Sunday against the Minnesota Vikings. I've seen the Rams twice, obviously, against the Cardinals, and then a Thursday night game against the Seahawks. I've seen the Packers in person against the Cardinals. Of the four teams with one loss in the NFL, I still feel that if the Cardinals are whole, they're the best team. Doesn't mean they're going to win the Super Bowl, but watching these teams in person just gives me the perspective of the Cardinals are better. They're deeper, they're better on both sides of the ball, and Kyler Murray is still deep in the MVP conversation. The Dave Pash podcast is presented by BetMGM, the official sports betting partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Gila River Hotels and Casinos. Today's guest on the Dave Pash Podcast is NBC Sports' Mike Tirico. Longtime ESPN and ABC announcer, he's been at NBC now for a while, doing a number of things, play-by-play on Notre Dame, NFL play-by-play, hosting football night in America, the Olympics, hockey, you name it, Mike Tirico has done it. We have a great conversation about his broadcasting background, his mentors, and also why he's been a mentor to me and helping me in my broadcast career. Mike will also give his thoughts on the Arizona Cardinals and Kyler Murray, and if he's a believer in the Cardinals for being a potential Super Bowl team this year. And Mike reveals his top broadcasting moments from his career. So here he is, NBC Sports' Mike Tirico. So Mike, let's start, first of all, by just tell everybody what this week is like. Because I know every week for you is different. You're doing so many different things. What's this week looking like for you?
1: It's about 20% of your week. So that's okay. I'm not on the Dave (laughs) Pash schedule anymore. I'll leave it to you young guys. Uh, This week we have Navy against Notre Dame in South Bend, but I'm also a trustee at Syracuse and we have a board of trustees meeting. So I'm going to be heading up to Syracuse for a few days, spend time on campus, then head to South Bend. Fortunately, I have seen the Irish back-to-back weeks. This will be three in a row. So that'll be easy. We'll uh, take care of Navy when they get to town on Friday. And then uh, after the game Saturday, Head to probably New York or Connecticut for Football Night in America. Some point in there, I'm thinking about trying to squeeze in a quick run to Chicago to my daughter's parents' weekend. She's in college in the Chicagoland area. So as you live, <clears throat> as we live, these weeks are never the same. They're always hectic, and they're a blast. And then Sunday, we'll do Football Night in America with uh, Dungy and Breeze and Chris Sims and Maria Taylor and that crew, and then, uh, then start the hamster wheel back up again on Monday.
0: So obviously you were working last night and I ended up doing that game for Westwood. So we both watched Cooper rush and and what he accomplished. And look with Dak Prescott, Mike, clearly they are a great team, but Mm -hmm. it seems like with Cooper rush, maybe they can hang on depending on how long Dak's going to be out enough. Certainly in the NFC East to stay atop that division. What what are your thoughts on kind of where the Cowboys are right now?
1: That's it. I, I think they can, they can hang on enough. I, I believe that what your number two quarterback needs to do is be able to win two out of four games. You know, just have somebody there who can get you maybe three and one. Like when Breeze was hurt the last couple of years with the Saints got out of Teddy Bridgewater and then James Winston. Uh, You just need to have somebody who can do that for you Uh, because especially now, Dave given how much quarterbacks are running, like you, you've watched this evolution doing college games and then get into NFL games, right? The college stuff, the Thursday and Saturday stuff, is showing up on Sundays. There are bigger and faster defensive players who hurt guys a lot quicker. There are more hits, more contact, more injuries in the NFL. Because of that, and because quarterbacks are running far higher percentage than they used to, I think you need a guy who can save you a couple of games. And Cooper Rush helped save the Cowboys the game on Sunday night. He threw for over 300 yards. He looked like he'd been in the system for three or four years. And he executed the system. And when it came down to a got to have it drive, as Chris Collinsworth said, like one of those lifetime moments for Cooper Rush, he came through. Uh, just like Mike White did for the Jets with over 400 yards. I think, Dave, one of the biggest mistakes the NFL has made in the last couple of years is not mandating the third quarterback be active for every game. And more importantly, if that third quarterback is a young developmental guy, second-year, third-year guy, you are going to allow to develop because five, six teams a year lose their quarterback for significant stretches. So you want to have continuity of play. When somebody's in the system, they can step in and perform and play. Not the level of starter. Cooper Rush has been there a while. If you watched Hard Knocks, you saw him. And his knowledge of the system, his comfort with what was going on, is the reason that that they're still sitting on one loss as we turn the calendar to November.
0: And when you look at the injury situation here with the Cardinals, we don't know yet about Kyler and whether he's going to be able to go Sunday. If he weren't able to play, obviously it'd be Colt McCoy. And then Chris Treveller is your backup. I know you're dialed in on everything. I don't know how much, though, you've had a chance to really watch the Cardinals. But based on what you've seen, are you a believer?
1: Yes, absolutely. Uh, the Cardinals get your attention. Uh, so we'll sit in a room on Sundays and watch the NFL games. And the Cardinals, obviously, because of the time zone, are usually in the late window. We watched all the early games. So there are nine screens up, and there are maybe 12 of us in a pretty large room. But I'm sitting with Drew Brees to my right, Tony Dungy to my left. I pinch myself because you're sitting by one Hall of Famer and a future Hall of Famer. A coaching question, a defense question, a question about quarterback play, offenses. You get an answer just by going like this. Um, and then Chris Sims is in the room, and Sims is into the film every day and all that stuff. So, with all of us in the room, we pretty much have an eye on every game. And there's more, hey, look at the Cardinals. Hey, Kyler, Kyler's doing this. Kyler's doing that. And I think the less circus plays and the more picking out those moments that he's going to do, it's going to keep him healthier and keep him around for when you need him to make those circus plays in December and January. I think Russell Wilson. And Aaron Rodgers are the two mobile quarterbacks, different levels of mobility, who have shown these young quarterbacks like Kyler Murray, that there's a template out there to use your speed, your elusiveness, your ability to throw on the run. You Use those sidelines, use that slide, you use those rules, man. And Kyler's done a pretty good job to this point of it. And that's going to be important to keep it going. But I, I love what this team has. I love the talent that's been built on both sides. Obviously, the J.J. Watt injury is a bummer, but there, there are people there on both sides of the ball. They, they've restocked this. Steve Kime has restocked this thing really well in a short period of time. And I think they're staying power to stay with the Rams in the NFC West, no doubt.
0: I agree. And I'm, I am I know people probably think, well, you have to say that. But I think most people know 20 years of doing this. I'm pretty fair. Like, I'm a fan. When things right. aren't going well, I wear it on my sleeve. The, the listeners can certainly sense that. <laughs> but I feel, Mike, You know, I've seen Dallas now in person. I've seen the Rams twice in person, and obviously saw Green Bay Thursday against the Cardinals. I still feel like when the Cardinals are whole, they're the best team. It doesn't mean they're going to win it, but I feel like their roster is the best in the NFL, and part of that has to do with Kyler. If he keeps playing the way he is, he's going to be in the MVP conversation.
1: You're right. When you get to see the other really good teams in person, you walk away with good feel for if your team can hang there week in, week out, and I'm glad you said it the way you said it because, yes, you, you can – we can um, – I, I don't know what you think, Dave. You've done a bunch of Syracuse games. Look, obviously, you've got 20 years at Cardinals. Syracuse is your school. It's my school. Uh, there's a there's a different feel when you're calling a game for a team that you will root for when you're not doing their games, and we can do that. We can stop. if If, if somebody can play football against their brother, and tackle their brother and hit them, right? Physically do harm to your, you know, your same DNA essentially, right? If you can do that, we can put aside our loyalty or our fandom for three and a half hours and call it down the road or down the middle and and be even. Um, I think when we do that, we see the flaws of the team that we care about the most. I used to remember doing Syracuse games back in the old Big East days of basketball. I, I could see Syracuse's flaws, which helped me know when they had a good team. And you are in that same boat, I think, with the Cardinals because you want to know if the Cardinals are really good. You can be honest with your listeners. And um, I think you're right on. I, I I think they're good. I like what Dallas has. I really do like what Green Bay has. Remember, Green Bay has been to the, of the cup. They've been to the championship game twice in a row. And... The pieces may not be as talented, but they've got a little bit of something about them when Aaron brings that group together. You all saw that in person on Thursday night. So I think I think they and the Rams and Dallas are going to be the top of the list of tough outs. But certainly this is a team that belongs in the conversation. Is going to stay in that conversation with them the entire way. And don't, don't forget Tampa. Obviously, this is a whole sure. cool chance. Sure. So let, let's not forget those guys. I, I think their roster is talented too. But you see when Gronk is hurt, Right, and they're hurting on the back end, they're vulnerable. Their, their roster compared to the New Orleans roster, it, it doesn't match up right now. But New Orleans defensively got after them, and they couldn't stay with New Orleans on the, on the edges with their corners and it's in the run game and the pass game. So five, five terrific teams in the NFC who pretty much have only lost to each other. So I think it's going to make it a really good second half of the season.
0: Well, look, Mike, one of the reasons I wanted to get you on was to talk football But I also want to talk about you. I want to talk about broadcasting. I want to talk about our our friendship because I've known you since I was a freshman at Syracuse. You were doing, at the time, local television at Syracuse. And like the next year, you got to ESPN. I remember one year, I'm talking to you, and you're a reporter at a local TV station. The next year, I'm watching you hosting SportsCenter. And then, obviously, you took off and had become one of the greatest broadcasters of all time. And one thing that's always stood out to me because man you you have been so impactful you're one of my mentors and you've always been there for me. You've always been supportive of young broadcasters. And I'm curious was there somebody particular that mentored you that gave back and put into you that you said I, you know I want to do the same thing for guys like me?
1: Well, it's nice of you to say, thank you. I, pre- I appreciate, I appreciate all of that. You know, I think the world, the world of you too, pal, I'm so proud of you every time I hear you doing a game, I'm just like, man, it's one of our, it's one of our guys. It's part of the family. Uh, you know, there were some people like Dick Stockton and Bob Costas and Marv Albert who came back to Syracuse and shared uh, a little bit of insight of what the industry was like for all of us as students. I always, wanted to be the guy who came back, was able to do that at some point down the road. So it's a little bit of that. Uh, but it's also a little bit of the college radio station that we worked at, uh, W-A-E-R radio where all the names I just mentioned and hundreds, I mean, hundreds of others, including people outside of the sports realm, like Ted Koppel and Dick Clark, uh, Dave's now part of the hall of fame, W A R for uh, his great career. Um, you know that sports department. We had a bunch of people who went on to be successful in the business. And Sean McDonough and Greg Papa, uh, who has been a longtime voice in the Bay Area with the Raiders, now the Niners. And those guys, when they would come back to town, they would share with us. And I, I always wanted to be that person to be able to do that. And that kind of grew into a love of our industry and seeing an industry where we can root for each other. You know, and we, we've been lucky because uh, all of us jumped into the radio TV world covering sports at a time when ESPN grew and regional sports grew and now digital platforms. So like Syracuse field hockey games are on TV. Right. Uh, Arizona State has a great communication school. The kids at Cronkite School are broadcasting sporting events at ASU. You know, Big Big Ten Network, Pac-12 Network, There's student involvement, ACC Network. So the thing continues to grow. So we don't have to be fighting over the same jobs. There are a lot more jobs out there than there used to be. And I just enjoy being able to share a little bit of my experience with folks and kind of give back. Cause I felt like along the way, people were really kind to a kid in his twenties who didn't know what the heck he was doing uh, to help me out. So that that's what I love to do. That's why I love to do it. And uh, I enjoy seeing the next generation come on and come through and, just not ready to kick us out the door just yet, but pretty soon they will. And they'll be doing it better than we are for sure.
0: When I got the Syracuse radio job, you and Sean McDonough were part of the group that got me hired. There were several other Syracuse people in the mix. And you know, eventually I got the job and I got to work with you and Sean and Marv Albert and Costas and call a game with you guys, which was an incredible experience. That's and cool. then I get to ESPN and again, you and McDonough were the two guys who were always kind of, you'd see me doing the great outdoor games or a softball game. And You'd hit me. Hey, keep it up, man. You guys were, he'd bust my chops a little bit, but for the most part, it was encouraging. Okay. <laughs> but the phone call that I will never forget, because it probably in a lot of ways shaped my broadcast career, was the phone call that I got in 2006 after the first game that I did with Bill Walton. You were Bill's partner on NBA was you, Bill and John Barry. And Mm -hmm. you were doing Monday night football. So you couldn't do all the games, all the Wednesday games in November. So they they needed somebody to do a handful of games or 10 games. And so it was my first year. And the first time I worked with John and Bill, JB pulls me aside and says, Hey, you have to ask me questions because if you don't, I'll never get in. So that was the first thing I was like, okay. And I remembered Bill growing up watching him on NBC but then I did a right. game with Bill a few months later and LeBron took his headband off and threw it towards uh, the bench. And he started going off that it's right. a technical foul. And I just let him go. And I don't know if you remember this, you called me like the next day yeah. and said, man, you have to stop him. That's what you told me. You have to stop him. That's your job. I never forgot that. Cause when they paired us back together, doing the PAC 12 games, I always remembered Mike, what you said you have to stop him. And look, You can do any sport. You're great. The thing that has always stood out to me, Mike, about you is how you work with various analysts. What do you think is the key to that? Because you've worked with Bill Walton. You're working now with Drew Brees, who's a rookie broadcaster, hasn't done this before. What's the key to that?
1: Dave, I, I think we have a job, and it's our profession, to be announcers, journalists, hosts, whatever you want to call us, depending on the moment in the role. I think the analysts, this is their really third profession because they were either players or coaches. And then they decided to get into the media and now they're in the TV side of the media and they don't certainly have the area of expertise that we should have. We should have more of the Malcolm Gladwell, 10,000 hours of experience on the air than they do. That doesn't mean that they don't have that, but that's maybe the core answer to your question of trying to connect with different analysts. I feel like I've got to morph what I do to the person was sitting next to me man woman first year 20th year uh you know grew up in an ivy league ivy league educated house grew up in a house where they were the first gen to go to college didn't go to college whatever it is we've got to sit next to that person and make them the best version of an expert that they can be given the night the game uh what experiences in their lives are germane to the to the audience and i just feel like we have to change our game i i think it's been a little bit different at NBC, but I'll, 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 I'll give you this. Uh, I'll do some games with Chris Collinsworth and have the last couple of years. Um, I probably approach the game a little bit differently when I'm with Chris than when I'm with Drew or with Tony Dungy, who did the Notre Dame games last year but hadn't done games in the booth. But Tony knows 8,000 times more football than I've ever imagined knowing. But Tony's a different personality. Chris a different personality. Drew's a different personality. So I think it's up to us. I, I, I'm sure, you know, with Wolf, you're different than maybe you are when, when you're doing a, an ESPN college football game with the various partners you've done. Just like you, you do a game with Walton. If, you know, you end up with Darius Burke during a game, you do your job a very different way because they're drastically different people. But we have to be point guards. We have to give them the ball where they like it. We have to get out of their way. And with Walton, I, I learned that the hard way. I, I'd sit there and Bill would just go, and he'd just go. I'm like, what are we doing? The producer's <laughs> got to show the viewers, and Bill is just – he's he's in Bill world. And you got to grab him a bit. And when you do it in a – in a, and you're, you've you become the best at doing this, like better than anybody I've seen do it. When you just got to do it in a loving way, Bill's grateful that you do it. I mean, you, you, you kind of get him back to the game every once in a while, but you give him the space – to have the canvas, to be so enjoyable. Like my son goes to school to Pac-12 school, and we're watching And He's like, oh, my gosh, this is insane. What, what, does he ever talk about the game? And then, like a year later, it's like, he's hysterical. And i watch watching UCLA play Oregon State for no reason except Bill Walton. So that's the thing that becomes our responsibility to make that happen, and you've crushed that. It's been fun to listen to.
0: You've covered and called everything. So this is probably, and I get asked this too, I I have not done the the level of events that you have because you've done so many, you haven't done just the stick and ball sports. You've done everything. But do you have a favorite moment or a few favorite moments that stand out in your career that you've been a part of?
1: Absolutely. Like there's one really parochial one that is no big deal, I think, to folks. But uh, Syracuse, two Syracuse games, doing a Syracuse basketball game at the Big East Tournament at Madison Square Garden. Sitting center court, you got a chance to do some of those too. Uh, 2 years school, I grew up in New York City, Madison Square Gardens, my building. That's like the mecca of basketball. And we got to sit for multiple years right at midcourt, the best possible seat in Madison Square Garden, a seat that I never dreamed of sitting in. I got to sit there, two times with Bill Raftery, a bunch of times with Lenny Elmore like you did. And call my alma mater in my favorite basketball arena in one of the great tournaments in college basketball when it existed the Big East tournament. Like those, those are cool. I had to do the Syracuse Notre Dame game in Yankee Stadium. Like, seriously? Like it's Notre Dame and Yankee Stadium. That was the 30s and the 40s against Army and all these legends. And that was a top 20 matchup. Now Notre Dame kicked Syracuse's butt. And I was calling the Notre Dame on NBC game, but still, it was a great experience. The two that stick out for Really the same essential reason. One is September 2006, the Saints return to the Superdome, the Katrina game against Atlanta. Michael Vick and the Falcons go three and out. They punt the ball. Steve Gleason blocks it. Curtis Deloach scores. It's 56 weeks after Hurricane Katrina. The last time a significant number of people were in that dome, it was truly a place of last resort, trying to just survive from the hurricane. And the hole was cut in the Superdome, the roof, the skin peeled off, all of that. And then 56 weeks later, it was euphoria. And it was important to me because that night cemented in me forever the value of sports. Sports matters. You know, the the symphony in Phoenix, I'm sure it's incredible. The ballet is probably world-class they're not running around with Phoenix or Arizona on their tuxedos or their ballet costumes, but the Cardinals are running around with Arizona. So are the D-backs, you know, and that matters. That is a civic connection and it's only through sports in a way unlike anything else in our country. And that night, New Orleans told the world that one of the great celebratory cities of the world was open for business again. And just to be there that night, it cemented it for me forever. And then the other one, Dave, was uh, 2018 at the Winter Olympics. Doing the opening ceremony with Katie Kirk. Like, I'm pinching myself. Like, what, what am I doing? This is me. It's Katie Kirk is next to me. This is crazy. <laughs> right? And it's my first Olympic opening ceremony. And here come the athletes from North and South Korea walking in together under one unified flag. And if the North Korean athletes, one month before, or in the four years, three and a half years since, would be walking in South Korea, they would be immediately detained, questioned, and you know, they certainly would be sent back, back to their home country. Uh, those two countries are technically still at war. Those two countries don't get along. They have a border where obviously there's always great concern about what's going on on the other side. But for two and a half weeks, they came together in the name of sport. That's the only thing that's brought North and South Korea together, and to be there, and to share with our, our country that moment happening in front of us, and say, "Here's something you've never seen before, may never see again," you not, a unified Korea, North and South, coming to compete as one in the Olympics. Like that, that, that to me was was uh, a time that I'll never forget. And the common connection with both events is that sports matters. And you know, you may look at it as the uh, the toy shop; it's not real. It doesn't change. lives of your listeners if the cardinals win or lose like they're happier or sad but it doesn't affect the meal that they can serve or how much money they have in their bank account but man sports matters in in a certain special way that other things don't and we're lucky to be associated with it
0: another skill of yours that uh, again i think you do as well as anybody in our business is when you interview people your your interview skills how the answers you get out of people and part of that is whether you're hosting or doing a a one-on-one sit down is there a person that is a more memorable interview to you than, than others? Maybe somebody that is listening today to the podcast that doesn't know much about this person, or they, they think one thing about yeah. this person, but the reality is over here and you've been able to kind of bring that out of somebody. I know that's probably a tough question. Yeah, but-
1: no, no, it, 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 it is a good question because you don't do it all that often. And I give you a really bizarre answer. Um, Lindsey Vaughn, the Olympic skier. Uh, I just, out to do a profile on her for the uh, for the Winter Olympics four years ago. And uh, we ended up doing the profile at the house where Lindsay's dad grew up and her grandparents lived. It was like a ski vacation type house. And it's where Lindsay learned how to ski pretty much. And her grandpa was huge in building a little, a little snow area that she was able to learn on that her dad also learned on. Well, that was the last time Lindsay saw her grandpa. And um, from that moment on, I understood like the fearlessness, the drive, the competitiveness, yet the fragility of the individual because of that. It's, it's one of those things that, uh, and you kind of hit it a little bit there in your question. I don't ask that like 60 minutes, gotcha question, you know, like what did you know? And when did you know it? I, I really like to make the other person opposite chair feel comfortable. I like to hear their, hear them tell their story. I think deep, deep down, I'm a curious person. I want to know about uh, people and what they do and who they are and what makes them tick, what, what makes them fearless or special or great. Uh, so I, I would say that that is kind of what I try to go into things with. I really almost never come in with holding a list of questions. I always felt like when you're holding that list of questions, the other person feels like they're on the defensive. So I try sure. to remember just some themes. Maybe I'll write down a word or two to remind me of the next topic. Uh, and I just love sitting there and talking to somebody. I, I, I Hopefully it puts them at ease, gives them the best opportunity to share a bit of themselves that maybe they otherwise wouldn't. And we can do that for people. That, that's what we want to do in those interviews. That's what I love to do.
0: All right, back to football for a few, and then we'll get you yeah. out of here. Now that we have a 17th game, in the NFL, and yeah. we've had playoff expansion to the level of, you know, a wildcard team per conference. Do you, oh, yeah. do you like this? Do you, do you, do you want to see yeah. more because the ratings obviously are going to continue to go up. The, uh, the television revenue is off the charts. Mm-hmm. you think we're good with 17 regular season and one more playoff team per conference, or do you yeah. think eventually we're going to get to 18 and more playoff teams and should we, I,
1: I like one playoff team. Uh, I like where we are right now, you know, 14 out of 32 means about half the league is in. It means ostensibly two thirds of the league is usually holding on to some if then tiebreaker scenario. Hope in the second, the last week of the last week, that's fun. That's great. I mean, how great are those moments when, you know, like one team's in the locker room and they're watching another team and the fans are sitting in the stands, watching uh, our buddy Andrew Siciliano on red zone channel and, uh, Direct TV, and Scott Hansen as well. Uh, they're watching to see if their team's going to get in while some game's ending there and some other wild finish. But, but you've been a part of a couple of those. Those are fun. So so this the extra team allows a little bit more of that, more people to be invested in the party. Like, the stupidest thing in sports right now, Dave, is the fact that the college football playoff is four teams. Like, five big conferences, all with intelligent leaders, went in and said, let's make a system where one of us is out no matter what and that's the dumbest thing ever ever but they how they did that is beyond me and i think they're paying a price for it we'll expand here in the next few years but i like us in the nfl at seven you know the 17th game still worries me because look at all the players who are getting injured uh this game is more physical uh not necessarily because the guys are hitting harder they're just bigger you know the field is the same size as it was when Red Grange played, without a face mask. These little tiny guys, you no, know? and you see these guys, like the the speed and the contact is so ferocious that I don't know the quality of play gets better if we go to eighteen weeks. So I I'm still even for sixteen, but the seventeen ship has sailed, and uh, I, I think we're at a good spot right now. Let's let's keep it where it is. I think this works.
0: You mentioned the college football playoff. And I'm with you. The the four doesn't make sense. And they obviously realize that it doesn't make sense and that there's a lot of money to be made by expanding it. So it's going to get expanded, but right now you're stuck at four. You had Notre Dame, Cincinnati, and the Cincinnati right now, I'm curious, you know, what you think about them. Is is the Notre Dame win for them good enough if they go undefeated for the first time since the invention of the college football playoffs seven years ago for a group of five team to get into the top four?
1: It should. It should be. If it doesn't, this system's really flawed. I can see how you can say they're 11-0. They didn't go anyplace and beat anybody. They beat Notre Dame, who was in the playoff last year. They're, Notre Dame's not as good as they were. But if Notre Dame ends up 10-2, and that's, that's pretty good. In a year where, as you've seen firsthand, there are a lot of average teams in college football. A lot of average teams. There's there's the velvet rope group of the VIP teams that are inside those velvet ropes like in a movie theater. That's a really small group this year. Um, I, I'd love to see Cincinnati get a chance. I think they deserve a chance. I hope they have the opportunity to play. When they played in the bowl, did you do that bowl game last year, Cincinnati's bowl game?
0: No, I did not. I had the, I had okay. the Fiesta Bowl last year. Do the Fiesta. That's yeah. right.
1: Like, Cincinnati in the bowl game, I know there were opt-outs on the other side, but they hung in there. Yeah. Um, Notre, Dame, Notre Dame's a good team. Uh, they Cincinnati physically was a better team on the field uh, in South Bend on that Saturday, and they had a little adversity. Notre Dame got back to within three, and they came down with one of those championship drives. They scored. Yes, I definitely want to see them, and I hope they go 11-0. hope they win their conference championship game and get into the playoff. It would be good for the sport not just to change it up, but to change it up with a program that Um, has built without the opportunities and resources of some of the legacy programs.
0: One of the things that uh, the Cardinals are doing is called Cardinals folktales. And one of the things we're doing is the Monday night meltdown from 2006, when the Cardinals had the lead over the Chicago bears, it was a game that you called for ESPN on Monday night football. It was also the game where Denny green went on his famous rant post game. And that's really what Cardinals folktales is about. But I had greasy on, Earlier this season, to get his perspective yeah. on a lot of things, but also on that because he was Rex Grossman's backup, he thought he was going into the yeah. game. Rex obviously yeah. stayed in the game, and he led the Bears to the Super Bowl. Do you remember much? I mean, you've done so many games. Do you remember yeah. that night? So, do you
1: save your charts from games? By the way,
0: yeah, I don't. You know, I I did. My wife Hallie and I, when we were redoing, <laughs> we accidentally threw out about a thousand of them. So I from. From like 2003 to 2010, there's no evidence that I ever did a game for ESPN or the Arizona Cardinals.
1: Let, let, me, just, let me just say, did, did Hallie accidentally be the one who <laughs> accidentally put that in the accidentally get rid of this pile?
0: Mike, I don't know that I can answer that. Because <laughs> if, if, I, if I do, brother, I might, I might not uh, have a bed to sleep in the night when I get home.
1: <laughs> well, I only ask that because I have, looking at it right now, I've got a stack of folders and legal pads from almost every game I've done going back to my ESPN time. So there's, like, some weird, weird stuff in there, right? There's, like, Phillip Rivers. I found the chart of Philip Rivers' first start at North Carolina State, which I did. And, and like, I brought it to Philip when we had one of his games last year because we kind of knew it was near the end. So that was fun, right? But to your point, uh, the Monday night stuff I kept, it was 10 years. I just kept throwing – credentials. I don't know what I'm ever going to do. With I'll probably get rid of it off, but I've got my production meeting notes from that game. And the best part of the crown quote from Denny was that Denny told us that in our production meeting on Saturday. So I'll give you the quick story. So it's, uh, it's me, Kornheiser and Jaws. Jay Rothman is our producer. Chip Dean is our director. Susie Culver is our sideline reporter. Michelle as well, but I don't know if Michelle was in the room with us. She might've been. Uh, so we're out there, we do the meeting, same, same meeting room, same area. The Cardinals still do their stuff in at least over the last couple of years since I last was there. And, um, Denny is telling us about the bears because the Cardinals played the bears in the preseason. It was the third preseason game. So it was good against good for a half when that still happened in a four preseason game. And the bears, people were building up the bears in Chicago. They started to ask, is this team as good as the 85 bears? And Denny played it right down the right down the you know, traditional line during the week of they're good, they're good, they're good. But we got in, and so I'm kind of going down this line of questioning. And Denny's, you know, Denny can could have when during when he was with us, he could run a little bit hot at times. <laughs> you could just see him like getting frustrated. He's like, I'm, I'm going to tell you, they're not as good as the, the 85 Bears. i Denny's voice again. The 85 Bears. People want to crown them. People want to crown them as champions. It's October. Don't crown that, do crown them like the 85 Bears. So when he says at the podium, um, crown him, and he bangs his arms and then he says, bangs his hands and shits on the podium, and, says, and we had them and we let him off the hook. Like that was the continuation of our production meeting on Saturday. So when that Coors Light commercial ran and when that clip runs, I immediately flashback to that meeting and just laugh because we saw that first that was an incredible night and liner plays and they got a chance to beat him and hester with a kick return as only devin hester could do and all that stuff that was one of those nights so we uh because kornheiser didn't love to fly we had a bus for monday night football that we didn't take everywhere but the bus went everywhere with the same bus driver bus driver jeff and we're pulling out of the stadium and we are watching on a tv that took them to direct tv the live post game on sports center and we saw that we broke out laughing in the bus because we knew exactly what Danny was saying about, you want to crowd him? crowd him! (laughs) But we let him off the hook is one of my all-time favorites. I'm so glad you asked, because every time that comes up, I relate that story to somebody, and it was just like cool to add some context to the quote that became a commercial.
0: Last one. As I mentioned, Mike, this is an audio podcast for those that are Mm -hmm. listening uh, that may not see if if the Cardinals put out a video clip. You have a guitar uh, behind you. Is that... I do. Your guitar. It, I, and is this something I don't know about Mike Tarico? Does Mike Tarico no, play the guitar?
1: No, I, I, I can't play. Um, I, it's kind of strapped in here. I, I can't get this out. I think it's, like,
0: it's probably uh, expensive. I don't, don't do anything. So that the out. hat, regret. There's,
1: there's a big hat here, the big straw hat. That was from the World Cup in South Africa in 2010. There was a show called Last Call, and we put somebody wear the hat, and I actually did shows. Which I couldn't believe with that hat on. It looked so stupid. But we passed it along. We had one of the great memories on that show. We all worked together. We had a blast. And I just said, I'm taking the hat with me. And I did, and I've had it for almost a decade now. Hang on to it. I love it. The guitar is a gift from my wife. It was a birthday gift. I don't know if it was like a 40th or something, signed by Springsteen. I'm a Springsteen junkie. And she got me signed Springsteen guitar. So I can't play it, but my man Bruce does. And that's that's my musical getaway. So it sits here in the office with a Mike Arruzioni hockey stick and a a master's picture of Gary player, Jack Nicholas, Arnold Palmer, Curtis Strange and me. And I got Arnold, Gary and Jack to sign the uh, starter sheet from that day. It was the first time the three of them together were the honorary starters and they came in to do a sports center hit with us. Curtis went to Wake Forest on an Arnold Palmer golf scholarship. So he knows Arnie and obviously knows Jack and Gary. So that's my little corner office there. I got those guys to sign the starter sheet from that day. It's one of the only autographs I've ever asked for in my life. I got them to do it in my orange Sharpie. That was the coolest part of it. So I got Arnold. I, I probably have the only Arnold, Gary, Jack, same thing, signed in an orange Sharpie in America. So that's my little collection here.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome, man. Well, listen, Mike, I could talk to you for hours, but you have a life. And I just appreciate you spending 40 minutes with me, man. I really do. I appreciate our friendship. And again, thank you for just continue to lead the way for so many of us, man. You're one of the most talented people in our business and one of the best of all time, man.
1: Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Thank you. Uh, I I love, I love hearing you, uh, driving in a car, listening to Westwood on Saturday, when I'm sitting around waiting to do my football games Um, with Walton late at night, I just laugh and smile. I'm, I'm so proud of you uh, and your association with the Cardinals. I'm jealous of you. I remember telling you this around playoff times and Super Bowls and stuff. I'm jealous of you because you have an association with a team that I've never had. I'd love to do that at some point because there's a whole generation of Cardinals fans who forever will associate your voice with that team. And I think it's just the coolest part of the ride. I'm I'm so happy for you and so happy for everybody um, in, in your in your world. You're the best and you're an even better person than our broadcaster. And most of the listeners know that. And uh, we mean that. So thanks for having me on. It's an honor to be with you, bud.
0: Great stuff from NBC Sports' Mike Tirico. So many things that stood out to me in that interview. I think, first of all, the conversation that he had with Denny Green in the production meeting leading up to the Monday Night Football game against the Bears, the unique perspective that Mike had, the fact that Denny had told him days before, Uh, in response to people comparing that Bears team to the 85 Bears that Denny said it's crazy and they're not who we think they are or you thought they were and people shouldn't be crowning him yet and then he said those exact words after the game just hilarious to get another perspective on for Cardinal fans what was a devastating night uh, back in 2006 against the Chicago Bears the other thing that I really connected with was when Mike talked about some of his favorite moments from his broadcasting career, in particular, calling the Saints game in New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina, and how important that game was to the city of New Orleans and the people of Louisiana. I live on the West Coast. It was important to me. I connected with it. I remember Steve Gleason and what happened on that night. And I actually went down with a group of friends to Louisiana to do some post cleanup, a group from our church after Hurricane Katrina. I saw firsthand the devastation that that did to that community. So to see it come together and to see the importance of the saints to New Orleans and Louisiana and how it played out that night on national TV and how well Mike documented it for all of us, it goes back to his line about that sports matters because it's entertainment and it's fun. And we get to root for our team, but it also provides an escape. And it also allows us to connect with the athletes and the team. I think of last year during the pandemic, not being able to go to sporting events, having to call events from the stadium here or in my house. I'll never take for granted again being in a sporting event because when we're there, we feel a part of it. We connect with the players, the coaches, the events, and these things stick with us. And obviously that moment, that game stuck with Mike and, as he said, will for his entire career. That'll do it for this edition of the Dave Pash Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Pod. We are sponsored by BetMGM, the official sports betting partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Gila River Hotels and Casinos. The Cardinals play the 49ers this Sunday in Santa Clara. We will talk to you next week on the Dave Pash Podcast.